This podcast is brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. BankInfoSecurity.com is your source for the news and views shaping security and risk management within the finance space. Mobile and online P2P services offer banks and credit unions a competitive edge. And a new ITA report proves internal fraud is more damaging than most banks realize. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group, here with the Week in Review for January 14, 2011. Mobile remittances are catching on, and pop money is emerging as a leader in the space. Cincinnati-based Fifth Third Bank announced plans this week to launch Cash Edge's pop money remittance service. The peer-to-peer payments platform, which is available through mobile and online banking channels, offers banks and credit unions a way to compete in a market that's seeing increased competition from non-traditional sources. For Fifth Third, the demand for mobile services was the catalyst for the bank's pop money launch, which is scheduled for mid-2011. In June 2010, San Francisco-based Bank of the West also launched Pop Money for online customers. The reception has been overwhelming, says Jim Cole, Vice President of Communications for Bank of the West. About 43% of our overall transactions have been Pop Money transfers, and the transfer amounts have been greater than we expected. The attraction of Pop Money for banks, says Cash Edge GM Neil Platt, is the security that's built into the platform. It's all in the cloud, software as a service. The platform links to a bank's online site, but does not store or authenticate any bank account details for customers. Platt says more banking institutions are warming to cloud or SaaS solutions because they see the value in the security. It's a service completely managed by Cash Edge, Platt says. When a user signs into a bank account, online or from a mobile device, they get handed right over to Cash Edge. Now, after this short break, I'll be right back with more news highlights from our week. Are you responsible for your institution's compliance program? Do ATM fraud, ACH fraud, and online fraud keep you up at night? Do you have any certifications which require continuing professional education credit hours? The solution to your problems may be the BankInfoSecurity.com educational webinar library. You'll find plenty of courses that align with your core responsibilities. Visit BankInfoSecurity.com for more information on how to access these webinars. Internal fraud is one of the banking industry's most threatening types of fraud. In fact, industry experts rank it as one of the top nine security threats banks and credit unions will face in 2011. A new report from ITA Group supports that ranking, finding that internal fraud at most banks and credit unions is underreported, if detected at all. Julie McNelly, a senior analyst with ITA and author of the report, Internal Fraud, The Devil Within, says internal fraud damages an institution's reputation, is often difficult to detect, and is getting more prevalent now that organized crime has figured out how easy it is to plant employees who are more than willing to steal internal information. Here is Julie McNelly. Uh, Understanding the scope of internal fraud is a challenge for financial institutions because the legacy systems that many of them rely upon don't accurately track the fraud. And then the lack of prosecution is a challenge for the industry. Um, you know, obviously, financial institutions don't want to be in the headlines every other week prosecuting their employees for fraud, but that leads to the, the issue that the perpetrators are you know, free to go and continue perpetrating fraud at other financial institutions. If somebody is not prosecuted when they have perpetrated uh, fraud at, a, at another institution, that won't show up on a background check. You know, technology solutions can really help, but technology solutions can be yeah, more expensive as you get into the smaller institutions. So it's really, you know, depending on the size of the institution, it's applying a layering approach, um, you know, bringing you know, everybody 
pretty much does background screens of one form or another because you know, reg regulations demand it. But looking at what you're looking at in those background screens, can they be more effective? Uh, things like the negative database, which is accessible to any financial institution. Um, you know, why wouldn't you inquire into something like that? And we wrap up the week with some perspective about the future of payments in the U.S. Philip Andre is a payments expert who's seen his fair share of changes, not just in the United States, but also in Europe. In fact, Andre says he plans to see the EMV, EuroPay MasterCard Visa standard, become a global standard that's embraced throughout the world. Here is Philip Andre. As we look at the other markets that have moved to EMV, there is consistently a central body, uh, an association, where all the financial institutions and the card brands meet on a regular basis and are able to share uh, common needs and common views on particular uh, areas of concern. And obviously fraud, uh, being a criminal activity and, and uh, not in the social good, has always been a consistent topic for these common groups. Unfortunately, in the United States, there is not a, uh, an association where all the debit card issuers, all the uh, acquiring processors, the acquirers, and the card brands come together and share a cocktail and share conversation and talk about non-competitive issues. So we do have a, a major issue here in terms of creating that forum where the various constituents, the various stakeholders can sit down, share their concerns, and begin to talk about a collective way forward. Um, one of the other things that we've seen on a global scale is that the government tends to have some view on this, because obviously the consumer, the citizen, is uh, is affected by fraud, and they're the ones that go through the trials and tribulations of dealing with customer service to get any transactions that were fraudulently uh, transacted against their accounts corrected. So sometimes the governments will go to these associations and, and basically say, if you don't, we will, and, and then you get a kind of a collective view that's driven by some policymakers who are saying, you know, get on with it, we don't want to regulate, and, and uh, associations, a collection of, of the stakeholders who are interested. That's this week's Week in Review. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitt. Have a great week. This podcast has been brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.BankInfoSecurity.com.